Welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Brought to you by the SATC Solutions Center. You can connect with us on Instagram or Twitter where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. For more information, including our email, visit us online at satcsolutions.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe to Bridging Chicago on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Hello and welcome to Season 3 of the Bridging Chicago Podcast. I'm Nathan, a legal assistant here at SATC, and I'm really excited to start Season 3 with Johnny Jones as he helps us celebrate Black History Month. So thank you for being on the podcast today, Johnny. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Uh, Johnny's a good friend of mine and a friend of the podcast, so I'm really excited to get to talk about you and what you're doing and about your growing up. But let's start with that. Let's start with your your background and sort of your growing up. I know that you're a Chicago guy, so tell us what that's like. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> so growing up in Chicago, um, originally I grew up in Rockwell Gardens, which was a housing project right off of Western and like Van Buren. Um, it's no longer there. I was living there until I was about eight years old. And then I moved to North Lawndale, um, where my grandmother still lives today. Um, so I was there all through high school. Um, and North Lawndale is a very rich community um, and culture. It's very predominantly black now. It used to be um, a predominantly Jewish neighborhood. Um, there's still a lot of gray stones there, um, a lot of beautiful buildings and history there. Um, but for me, growing up in Chicago has always been very um, multicultural, believe it or not. Uh, I went to a pretty diverse elementary school. Uh, one of my my very best friends um, was Puerto Rican cat. Um, we're still friends today. And... Uh, so I went from there to Crane Tech High School, which was predominantly black. So it was like going from this multicultural school to all black school um, and then going to college. It was like predominantly white. So it was like, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, but I got to experience Chicago at a very early age playing Little League Baseball near West Little League. Um, and I started working when I was 15. Uh-huh at uh, Gordon's Ace Hardware. Um, and so all I knew from 15 to 18 was hardware stuff. And uh, I got to work in like South Loop, West Loop, um, River North. So just a bunch of different Gold Coast. So I was at an early age, I was able to experience different cultures and different backgrounds of people and you know was able to really um, just kind of hone in on my people skills, you yeah. know. Um, So that did a lot for me, you know, being in Chicago and it being such a diverse city, you know. Um, Yeah, yeah, hopefully that. Yeah, tell me about family life for you. Like, what was it like at home? What was was growing up like for you? Family life was interesting. 
Um, so my mom passed when I was about eight. Um, and so my grandmother became my legal guardian uh, for myself and my older sister. So I have two sisters, an older sister and a younger sister. Um, me and my older sister, we had the same father and my younger sister had a different dad. Okay. And so after my mom passed, she passed after giving birth to my younger sister, oh, wow. um, which was like sucked for my younger sister because she never got to experience, you know, my mom at all. Um, and so never really had that, that father figure growing up. My dad was, after my mom passed, they were already kind of separated, but after she passed, it, it kind of like slowly deteriorated, like weirdly enough as a, as a eight year old, you think after something tragic like that happens, your dad would be that next person to kind of step up and be in line, but it wasn't him. It was my grandmother, um, who I'm super like grateful for. Um, she, she was a real trooper and, you know, always had that open door policy, you know, so there was always a lot of kinfolk in and out of my grandmother's place. Um, so yeah, after, after that, after, uh, moving from Rockwell Gardens and then moving in with my grandmother, uh, my grandfather was around, but he, he was there, but he wasn't there. So mm -hmm. it was like a weird scenario. Um, where and I always used to think about like you know um why was my grandfather always so he was just a mean grumpy old guy <laughs> you know and I was like why is he always so mean you know um and I didn't find this out until I got older which is kind of funny um and it makes so much sense why I used to be so drawn to Puerto Ricans so my mom had a different dad so my mom father was Puerto Rican oh, okay so she was the firstborn and so now it like made sense why my <laughs> grandfather was so like grumpy at me like towards me it's like oh because you're technically not my <laughs> grandfather. so it made sense but it was just a really it was a really interesting uh growing up experience I like I said I started working when I was 15 so I was always like out and about and around the city so I got to experience a lot of the city because I just never wanted to stay confined in a house I was just too adventurous and I always wanted to see what was going on in the city yeah I know that uh, grandparents a lot of times are big in the families uh, especially in black communities they oftentimes are helping raise children um, and we had a chance to record a podcast with a great organization that actually helps grandparents adopt their grandchildren when the parents can't uh, can't be that that parental figure for them mm -hmm. so um hearing that is really cool about how you know close you were and how your grandma kind of stepped in and, and made sure that you had the kind of upbringing that that you could have or should have yeah yeah she worked she worked really hard she's 70 now so we just celebrated her a couple months ago we threw her like a surprise party um it was really awesome she yeah. enjoyed it she like cried and so it was really cool yeah awesome. So where did you go to college then? So uh, I did a stint in Canton, Canton, Ohio. So Malone College was what it was when I first got there, but it's a university now. Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny because I wasn't even supposed to go there. Uh, in high school, I did a bunch of historically black college tours. And so, like, my mind was set on going to an HBCU. Yeah. And uh, a friend, one of my best friends in high school, 
we both got accepted into a couple of schools, but one in particular was um, Huston Tilson University, which was in Austin, Texas. And I was like, well, I'm not trying to go to Austin <laughs> by myself. So we planned to go together and uh, like last minute. And I was like, you know what? Let me make sure I have a backup plan just in case he like flakes. And so I went on a weekend college tour in uh, Canton, Ohio to Malone College. And uh, he ended up flaking. And I was like, okay, Texas or Ohio, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, and so I chose Ohio. And then I ended up going <laughs> to uh, this predominantly white school in small town Canton. So going from Chicago to Canton, Ohio, literally the only thing there that I knew about was the Football Hall of Fame. And so I was like, why am I here? (laughs) Yeah, so I was there for about two years. Um, I hung out with a bunch of upperclassmen when I was a freshman. And then once they graduated, well, I knew what I wanted to do my freshman year. Okay. And so after they graduated, I was like, well, there's no point of me being here anymore so i came back to chicago and then i finished here okay um but yeah that's so interesting because a lot of times i talk to people and they're like i had no idea what i wanted to do and even after i was you know graduated college i still wasn't really sure and people who maybe your major changes throughout or you start volunteering in something and that kind of changes your outlook on life or your perspective of that particular field what was it for you that sort of made you be like, oh, I know what I'm going to do now and, and want to come back here and start doing that? So it's funny because, like I said earlier, all I knew work-wise uh, was Ace Hardware stuff. So in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm going to have a store one day, you know, okay. whatever. So I knew that I wanted to be in business. And when I got to Canton, I was already like, you know, a people person. You know, I people just really bought the best of me out, you know, whether it was just connecting people in some sort of way, whether it was through music or, you know, a party or whatever. Um, I just knew how to do that. I knew how to, like, kind of bring people together in, in that perspective. And so uh, a friend of mine, one of my best friends, still to this day, um, they got a house off campus. And I was like, hey, we should celebrate by throwing an event. So this was when like Facebook like first started. Mm-hmm. And so we had, they lived on a uh, knife and monument. I'll never forget. And so we did this event. It was called uh, the Ninth street jump off. And so I put it all together, like, you know, invited everybody through Facebook or whatever. And people like came, like, it was just like, when I experienced it, Putting it all together was fun, you know, and then you have that nervous feeling of like, you know, who's going to show up or people even going to come. And so like people came through, it was like a packed house and literally we we just treated it like it was almost like this kind of like nightclub kind of feel, you know. Um, And so in that moment, I was like, wow, I can I can really see myself doing this, you know, Um, and it wasn't really more about. You know, back then it was it was a college party. Like, that's what it was, you know, period. Um, but for me, it was bigger than that. It was like, wow, I can bring all of these people together. So we had, you know, um, a lot of white people at Malone. And then we had, like, a lot of foreign exchange students. Um, and everybody who played football was pretty much black. Um, and so to see all of these different cultures in one little house um, kind of did something to me. And so I was like, oh, I want to 
throw events or I want to bring people together in this way, whether it's through music or DJing or whatever the case may be, but this is what I want to do. Um, and so I was stuck on that for like that whole freshman year of like, oh my God. But I knew I needed to get a business degree to be able to like start a business and like yeah. run a business. So, but yeah, that's, I knew what I wanted to do after that first event. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned about people bringing out the best in you because I always feel like that's what you do to other mm -hmm. people. I mean, your energy has always been just really good and really you and your whole family. I know your wife, Stephanie, well, and, mm -hmm. um, and just your energy and, and just the, the sort of welcomeness that you feel around you and that you kind of bring out, I feel like that's what you do for other people. So, you know, having people do that for you is also really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, it was one of those experiences. And then we threw several more, like, <laughs> and it was, it became the talk of small town can, you yeah. know, like yeah. people knew about our events when they were like about to go down. So yeah, it was really cool. And was it really important for you at that time to come back to Chicago and do that same thing, sort of do that at home? It was. It was, um, especially after my friends graduated, um, there was no way I was going to be able to do that in a way that I wanted to in Canton because I wasn't from, you know, Ohio. And yeah. so um, I was eager to get back and um, start as soon as possible. But, you know, life happens and you start procrastinating and, you know, whatever. So it didn't really technically kick off until about 2015. Yeah. Um, and that started with DJing. Um, and then it kind of, like, grew from there. Tell me about some of the similarities between these two groups. Maybe the, the, the things that you experienced that were felt kind of the same about being in a predominantly black versus a predominantly white community. What it, What kind of felt the same about those two things because I know we talk a lot about what's different and the differences are obvious a lot of the time mm -hmm. but um, I like to focus on the things that that are really the same there that's a good question um, so for me and this is just my personal opinion and, and experience um, it was kind of how I came up with the lingo Chicago in a way um, so being from Chicago, you know, city city boy and going to small town Canton, um, it wasn't really a cultural shock to me, like in the sense of like, you know, um, it's a small town, you know, it's a lot of white people, um, because I was used to that, you know, um, just being around different ethnicities and different cultures. And so it wasn't really a culture shock to me in that way. I was I was intrigued that I was able to still see all of these, you know, different people for who they were because mm -hmm. they had a lingo that was of their own. Like it was who, you know, it was kind of like if I met uh, a foreign exchange student who was from like, you know, Africa or something, um, it was cool to be able to learn about who they were, but they were still people, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I kind of looked at it in that sense but we were all the same in a way for me because we all shared something and bought something different to the table. And so it was like, I can learn from you where you're from, your culture, and you can learn from me where I'm from, my culture. And it was cool to be able to see how people adapt to people in a way because how I talked coming from Chicago, it was cool to start hearing people use that slang in Ohio. And so yeah. it was like, 
it was one of those cool things where like wow people are like legit talking like me right now like if it was just a word like it was like true or you know a lot of bunch of other different chicago slang but like people started talking that way in ohio and i was like you know um so it was cool for me to be able to see that like you know we can be around each other for a short or a long period of time and still be the same in a way for where I learned from you, you learned from me. Yeah. And we kind of share that, you know, that experience with each other. So it makes me think a lot of the Chicago marathon because uh-huh. I've been able to run a few of them. And when you're running it, you go through all these neighborhoods and a lot of them are diverse um, from each other because mm-hmm. you're running from downtown to up north to west side a little bit to the south side a little bit and so you see a lot of different neighborhoods but there's this commonality of they're just cheering for you they're yeah. just wanting you to finish they're mm-hmm. just you know pushing you along and I'm like man in all these different neighborhoods people are just coming around the same thing and in that mm-hmm. instance it's you and so it feels really cool and it's mm-hmm. it's a really neat Chicago experience but kind of that same thing people are very different but sometimes the commonality is just that our humanness our our nature kind of makes us uh, the same because we all have different thoughts and feelings but we all bring something that we can learn from and so that's kind of what I'm getting from what you're saying there is yeah it was um I think the the biggest thing I got from being so i remember walking in my freshman year and um this was back when like people were wearing like still bigger clothes you know like (laughs) big t-shirts and and big pants and like looking back at it now i was like why did i what did i wear that for you know so um it was cool because i remember walking in the cafeteria and the way the cafeteria was made was like you 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 come in you get in line you get your food and then you come out to this like room full of people and i remember feeling like well one i don't know where i want to go sit because i hadn't met anybody besides my like freshman class of people who are they like they like put you together with these like group of people and it's like you know you don't really get to see all of them at one time so you got to figure out where you're gonna go and so in that moment I was like wow this is the beginning of my like college career or whatever um and it was like so defining because I was like I didn't know where to go and so I sat at this like random table and this guy walks up to me this white guy he goes uh hey man um you want to come sit over here at our table or whatever and it was like this table full of like you know football players black white you know hispanic whatever um, and I went and sat at this table and that was like the beginning of the era, yeah. you know, and that guy happened to be my best friend. He was the best man in my wedding, like, uh-huh. you know, um, and that was the beginning of it. And I was like, and just hearing their conversations and I was like, oh, I kind of feel at home, you know, coming yeah. from Chicago to here. It's not that different. You know, you think about what it's going to be like. And once you start experiencing things that you were already kind of used to, it's like, oh, you get a little more comfortable. And so. Yeah. It was a cool experience. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so coming back to Chicago, what was that like for you? And kind of how did you, or what did you start when you came back here? Well, when I, when I first came back, I went literally, uh, I had reached out to my old coach and boss, who was the owner of the Ace Hardware. So I reached out to him and was like, hey, I'm coming back. I'm going to finish here. Um, can I work while I come back? 
Um, and it was cool because he had already told me that, you know, whenever you come back on breaks and things like that, you can work, you know. And so it kind of carried over. Um, and then I didn't expect to get to a point to where I was like assistant manager at this store. Um, and so that's what I mean by like life happens, you know. And so that kind of put a halt in what I really wanted to come back and do. So I started working full time and um, I lived in Lincoln Park for about three years, uh, which was a completely different experience from living in North Lawndale. Um, everything was like at my, you know, exposure. It was like there, like, you know, you walk outside and there's a coffee shop right there or, you know, Target or whatever, when or restaurant on like every corner, you know, yeah. it was different. Um, so I came back and worked for a couple years. Um, and then, like I said, in like 2015, um, I started, I learned how to DJ. And so that kind of like jump started everything again. And so once I started DJing, um, that turned into uh, the events that were happening like in my home. And then that branched out into using different venues to like curate these events. But um, you, you, there was, I mean, it's like any other job you have, you know, there's a burnout thing or whatever. So uh, with the whole ace thing, it was just kind of like, I know I don't want to do this yeah. for the rest of my life. You know, it was really dope experience and, and getting to um, get that under my belt. But I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And so learning how to DJ was great for me because it bought back out everything. Yeah. And so, yeah, it kind of jump-started the whole process over again. And so at what point do you meet Stephanie and sort of what is that like for you? So I met Steph... And uh, 2013, no, 2012. Oh. And I had got another part-time job at uh, Green Tomato Cafe, which is in North Lawndale. And um, at that point, I was like, so previously I had lived at Lincoln Park for like three years. Um, and I had a lot of fun, you know, nightlife. And we, we start, I started doing... Uh, parties again and we were doing them every other weekend and you know it just became like you know how can this be like bigger than me or just having a, a party every every other weekend you know and so I moved back to North Lawndale and I was like all right I'm gonna try to build in the community where I grew up you know I want to bring something back there you know um because it was weird for me not having um the luxury of you know, um, things in my neighborhood where yeah. I was originally from, you know. And so I wanted to be able to be a part of that because I knew the change was coming, you know. Um, in retrospect, it was like – so anyway, I, I met Steph at Green Tomato Cafe, and we kind of hit it off. And at that point, I was like, um, I'm just tired of, you know, the typical bachelor life, and, you know, I want to – you know, settle down. I've always wanted kids and, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And um, we met and uh, she was different. You know, she made me work and um, it wasn't something that came easy. You know, like she didn't even want to give me her number. <laughs> I had to like sneak my number and put it in her little apron thing, <laughs> um, which was really cool, you know, and she saw that to be different. And um, I was just very persistent, you know, um, and how I pursued her. And uh, I met Steph. It was, I want to say, October, November. I proposed to her in June wow. of that same year. Um, and then we got married in September. So it was like boom, boom, boom. Wow. 
um, which is really fast. Um, but we have two beautiful girls, um, Grace and Olivia. Grace is five, Olivia is two. Um, and they're like spitting images of me for sure, especially Grace. Um, it was like they, they came out of the womb ready to like, you know, live life and just kind of like, cause I used to DJ a lot when, when, when she was pregnant with both of them. And so, you know how they say like babies, like hear things, yeah, you know, you yeah. talk. it's very true. It's very <laughs> true because they came out with rhythm and, um, came out singing and beatboxing and like, it's crazy. Like I can show you videos. It's crazy. Um, and so, yeah, that's how we met. We met at Green Tomato Cafe. And, uh, yeah, the rest is history. Yeah. It has to be a fun house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of singing and dancing. And yeah. Grace is huge on, like, recording herself now. So oh. it's like, you know, <laughs> hey, guys, I'm with my dad. And I'm like, uh, don't put me on camera. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the Lingo Chicago, I know that's something that you started, uh, something that you've been – doing for a while now and um, I thought it was really neat because it, it looks like something that is big in um, communities that are not often sort of thought of as the greatest, safest communities, but, but it's where you're, the heart of what you're doing is. So tell me about the lingo and tell me about the communities that, you've, that you're a part of. So, so the Lingo Chicago is a production company and we kind of specialize in like cultural curated events if you will and like I mentioned earlier it started with DJing um, and then we started doing uh, we had a condo in North Lawndale um, which is surprising to come by in, in a community like North Lawndale but it was so spacious and I like took advantage of the space and we started doing these like house concerts and um, it was really cool to be able to just kind of work with local artists, you know, from different neighborhoods in the city. Um, and it was cool because there wasn't a lot of opportunities for these artists to be able to just kind of express who they were individually as an artist. Um, and so we kind of gave them that platform to be able to do that. And then it turned and it got bigger. So I was like, all right, well, we're running out of space in this spacious you know apartment so we started doing uh smaller venues that usually fit about 150 250 people something like that um and what was cool about it is i wanted to embrace these different neighborhoods so like from a cultural standpoint if we did something in little village we wanted to embrace everything that Little Village had to offer. So, mm. so a venue in Little Village, we wanted to use their food, um, whatever, their drinks, and just have some sort of theme that was catered to Little Village. Um, so we did like uh, one event, uh, Bachata in North Lawndale. Um, and it was a really cool experience because we were able to get an instructor from, I think he was based out of Pilsen. Um, and so he came, he was Puerto Rican, he came through, um, and so there was that North Lawndale Pilsen collaboration. Um, and we embraced his culture, you know, he was a bachata teacher and he loved it. He's been dancing all his life and he came through and taught a class in North Lawndale. Um, and so it was really cool because we were able to just kind of merge these communities together, 
Um, and it turned out really dope. We had a, a bunch of couples come through, single people came through, um, and he just kind of taught us this routine, and we just danced bachata for like two hours. So it was like an amazing experience. But um, the whole idea started with how can I connect people from these different cultures or from these different neighborhoods um, and just kind of bridge that gap of bringing them together using different forms of artistry to like allow people to see who they are you know learn about their lingo you know because we all have a lingo where we're from you know um and so it's been it's been an amazing journey we've done things in austin um humble park um i want to branch more south but i used to get a lot of pushback on you know um well is it safe to go in that neighborhood or you know um and so i had to get creative with you know what type of people were we trying to attract, mm -hmm. you know, um, without not inviting people who typically won't get invited to these kind of events, you know, whether we're talking about gangbangers or like, you know, uh, just just alpha people who are like, you know, outside of that element of not being used to certain things like that happening in their neighborhood. Yeah. And so um, creatively, it was always a challenge sometimes to to do stuff in like Humble Park because I used to be growing up. I used to be afraid to walk through Humble Park, you know, because um, I knew what it was. And so, as a black man walking through a neighborhood like Humble Park, we were automatically profiled as as gangster disciples, you know. And it's yeah. like, bro, like <laughs> I'm just trying to get to to the park to play baseball, you know, yeah. or whatever the case may be. But um, as an adult now, and Humble Park is like gentrified a lot. Um, I like walk through it freely now and it's kind of weird to be yeah. able to do that. You know, yeah. I'm still on alert, but like, it's just kind of weird to be able to do that now. But, um, yeah, the lingo is growing, man. You know, we're, we're trying to, like I said, we're trying to branch. Um, I want to touch every neighborhood, at least the, the main ones, you know, um, to some capacity. So for people who haven't been to Austin or haven't been to a community like Austin or don't know a lot about it. What can you tell us about the community that may surprise us to know about the people there or what what it's like there? So Austin, um, we lived in Austin for about a year um, after we moved from North Lawndale. We were trying to stay in North Lawndale, but it didn't work out. So we ended up getting a place in Austin, like literally right at the border of Oak Park and Austin, which was like, I think it's Lake and then when you go to the left of Lake, it's Oak Park. And then to the... So that was always interesting to me that you can tell the difference <laughs> of, you know, crossing over into Oak Park and being in Austin. Um, but where we were, we were right off of Lake and, like, um, I can't remember the name of the street, but it was such a beautiful street because Austin has so much history, too, with all these, like, beautiful buildings and, like, you know... Um, it's kind of like mansion type buildings and so when I saw it I was like you know taken back in a sense of like wow this is a really amazing neighborhood like because you hear so much you yeah. know and then when you're actually and now don't get me wrong there were still things that like went down in Austin you know a couple blocks from where we lived but I was the type that was never really um afraid to live in a neighborhood because I had been to every part of the city. I've lived on every part of the city, you know. Um, but Austin got, just like any other neighborhood that, you know, people talk about in Chicago, it always gets this this rep of, you know, uh, being a bad neighborhood and, you know. But there are so many beautiful things 
in Austin um, that people don't get to know about, you know, like um, a lot of a lot of artists or creatives um, that I know who are in Austin who are trying to change that narrative um, by doing certain things or creative things like I do or, you know, uh, um, just trying to paint a different picture, you know, for people on the outside looking in, you know, like this isn't, you know, what it's, what the news tells you it is or whatever the case may be. Um, Austin, in my experience, has always been great to me, you know. Um, my daughter was born in Austin, well, technically Oak Park. So West Suburban is on, no, no, yeah, West Suburban is on the Oak Park side. Okay. So, um, yeah, but anyway, Austin is a is a really uh, rich community, too, with their history. Um, a lot of things have um, happened in that neighborhood. Um, my daughter goes to school, and her school is going to be in Austin from Oak Park, which is kind of interesting. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those it's one of those things where um, people typically, you know, have opinions about it when they don't really know if they're not in that neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like you hear things about people who are scared to walk through neighborhoods like Austin or, you know, Englewood or like, you know, what rightfully so, there should be some level of like, you know, um, awareness that you should have walking through any neighborhood. Anything can happen in any neighborhood. Yeah, you right. Know? So, um but yeah, I love Austin. Yeah. Um so for the lingo mm-hmm. and the work that you're doing in these neighborhoods, what's what's next for the lingo? What's coming up in 2020 for you guys? So 2020, I'm very excited about, um, mainly because there are a lot of different things that I want to do that um, challenge me creatively in ways that I haven't been used to being challenged. So like, um, funny that I'm on, you know, a podcast right now. So we're trying to launch a podcast this year um, Shy Lingo podcast. Um, a lot of it will be, um, based on a lot of different topics and, you know, Chicago based things, um, having a lot of different speakers on who are from Chicago, um, things that they do, um, mostly entrepreneurs, creatives, artists, that kind of thing. Um, just talking about Chicago life, um, growing up here, you know, um, the ins and outs of it, you know, how entrepreneurs survive and, you know, um, just different things like that um, on the podcast that I'm excited about. Um, a lot of different projects in the works this year, trying to really um, hone into that production title, you know, doing a lot more animation stuff. Um, some scripts are in the making with, you know, some short film kind of things um, and just collectively continuing to collaborate with other creatives and entrepreneurs um, this year. Um, uh, DJing will always be there, literally. I don't even really have to market anymore for that. People yeah. just kind of, word of mouth is a, is a really huge thing when it comes to DJing because people remember, you know. Yeah. Um, I've done so many things that I get surprised sometimes when people reach out and be like, hey, I remember <laughs> you from, you know, and I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, literally this week, I have three gigs 
that I didn't even market for. People just remembered, like, you know, or somebody tells somebody about, you know, yeah. oh, Johnny, he's a dope DJ, you know, and so it's like, um, which is really cool. And even with that, trying to grow to a point to where I have a team of DJs where I don't have to do it, because sometimes I don't, I can't be at, you know, like right. literally one time I had a wedding, I had two weddings on the same day, um, and one of them I had already booked, and so I had to be at that one, and then somebody reached out about another wedding, and it was on the same day, and I was like, oh, crap. But it was cool to be able to have that circle of DJs or friends, and I was able to just kind of pass that along and then get, like, a little small percentage of whatever he got from that. But it yeah. was, it's just that's the whole idea, you yeah. know. Um, and so I want to do a lot of that this year, just trying to grow on that. Um, this week is a is a crazy week. You know, it's All Star Weekend. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, here in Chicago, and it's kind of weird that it's here, um, but it's exciting at the same time. You know, um, so much so that it's like, man, I don't even know what I want to do or how I'm going to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, but it, I didn't have to really work hard for that. So um, there's a a brunch, a Valentine's Day like Black Love. Uh, brunch on Saturday that I'm spending at. I'm excited about that. And then there's awesome. a couple more um, things that I'm spending at this week. Um, so a busy week, yeah, um, which is really cool. But I'm excited for 2020. Um, hopefully, we're supposed to launch this podcast February 19th. Um, we're starting an in-home studio that'll be open to the public. You okay. know, um, a lot of musical things will happen there, voiceover stuff. Um, and that, that'll be the home of the podcast. So which is based in North Lawndale, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know a little more about how you sort of celebrate Black History Month and black culture because, uh, you know, we focus it in on this month, and obviously uh, I'm sure for your family it's, it's just always a part of sort of how you bring up your, your girls and, and telling them about the history and the culture of black people in the U.S. and around the world, but... Um, I'd like to hear from you what this means to you and then sort of how other people can experience that alongside you and, and other members of the community. Um, so every day is Black History Month <laughs> for me. Yeah. Um, I think being black, not only just in Chicago, but just in the, in the world has always had its... Um, ups and downs in the sense of the history of black people and, you know, slavery and, and segregation. And, you know, I was literally, I just finished the Who Shot Malcolm X thing on Netflix, mm. just released, I think it was like this, this past weekend or something like that. Um, and it was funny seeing people like post about it and talk about it. I was like, oh, let me go, let me go check this out to see what the fuss is about. Um, and even like we knew we knew some of the history of Malcolm X and, you know, uh, but we never knew who assassinated him. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it was always, a you know, kind of like one of those things that was just kind of like almost just kind of like swept under the rug, you know. Yeah. Um, and so watching that uh, was very interesting in a sense of when you when you think about um, Elijah Muhammad and, you know, the Muslim and, you know, him being a part of that. Um, it was intriguing in a sense for me personally, where it was like, they were, they were 
both together trying to pursue the same thing and create equality and, you know, black excellence and, and trying to create businesses for black people and, you know, back in the 60s and et cetera. Um, but it was like a weird dynamic or a relationship in a way to where it was like they were kind of, they were they were winning they were making progress and somehow some way there's like some sort of divide that can happen whether it's either between our own people or you know white people just kind of being in that mix somehow some way you know so like Elijah Muhammad was was being recorded a lot by you know the FBI or whatever the case may be but there was like it was always a as, as a black man it always kind of felt like you can be winning or trying to win, um, but then there's always some sort of like thing that just kind of like gets in the way of that. So whether it's uh, white privilege or whether it's you know, um, it's 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 one of those scenarios where it was like they couldn't even win together because it becomes this thing of oh Malcolm's trying to you know, take over after, mm. you know, Elijah Muhammad is either dead or gone or whatever. And it was like, nah, man, I don't think that's what he was really trying to do. <laughs> like, you know, and so it's like when when there's a wedge yeah, put in the middle by something, um, it creates all this chaos and now there's this division. Um, and then, you know, what happened? He got kicked out and like all of this. And so it was just a very, it was very interesting watching that. And it just makes you think about, you know, as a black man, like, you know, there's already so many obstacles that comes with being black. Um, every day, every day I wake up, I leave my house. Um, there's always an, a chance that I'm going to be profiled in some sort of way, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, so black history for me, I'm I'm forever grateful um, and appreciative of the black people who, who paved the way before me, you know, the Dr. Kings, the Malcolm X. I mean, I mean, you, you even go back to Harriet Tubman, you know, watching that movie. Um, and I was always intrigued by her story, you know, as far as, you know, she made it to freedom and that wasn't enough for her. Yeah. You know, she wanted to come back yeah. several times, you know? Um, and so that took a lot of like courage and like, you know, um, just on a level that I'll never understand, you know, because it's like now our thinking is like, well, I, I got what I needed to, you know, now I'm like, I'm going to do, I'm going to live my life, you know. Um, and it's cool because it's, even with starting a lingo, it's always been bigger than me, you know. Um, yeah, okay, I started this whole thing and, you know, um, but it's bigger than one person. And so when I think about that in a sense and and then you bring kids into the world yeah um trying to get them to understand black history um and the people who sacrificed a lot you know um to get us as a people where we are today um and it's still tough and frustrating sometimes because when you hear about you know black on black crime or you hear about you know, things that take place in our communities, in our neighborhood um, is always tough. But again, there's that system in place, you yeah. know, um, that's frustrating because um, it's a system. And so there's all these arguments back and forth of, you know, um, 
young young guys, younger generations, you know, um, not having certain avenues or, you know, and it's only so much that they can do at a certain amount of time. So when you think about a drug dealer, right, it's like, okay, if I was a drug dealer, my mindset is completely different, right? Because if I'm, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this only for a certain amount of time in order to evolve to whatever mm-hmm. level that I'm trying to get to. Like, I don't want to be the best drug dealer in the world. Like, you know, that's, there, there, there has to be a level or a limit to it, you know, but yeah. with the systems that are in place now, it's hard to even get past that because of generations before us and them not being able to take advantage of whatever opportunities that they had. And so now that trickles down, you know. So if I had uh, a father who wasn't present and a mom who passed, and now there's nobody to really teach me that, that you know, how to maneuver through life and its trials and tribulations, you know, I got to learn all of this stuff on my own. And so now I'm put in a position where, you know, I can go the wrong way or the right way, mm-hmm. you know? And so what does that look like? For me, I was lucky. You know, I had coaches and mentors and things like that that kind of kept me on the straight and narrow, you know? Um, and I was never intrigued by, you know, selling drugs or, or you know, kind of going down that path, mainly because I had those good influences in my life, you know? And so, um, but it's rough, man. Even starting a business, you know? Um, nobody teaches you about credit and nobody teaches you about you know savings accounts and all these things when you're growing up you know mentors and coaches they do but it's different when it's not coming from the people who you want it to come from you know people in the household and people in the you know when you're learning that from somebody else who's not even technically your kin it's like okay that's cool you know but there's just like a it doesn't add up you know it it was always interesting you know so yeah, hopefully yeah, I answered your yeah. question. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, so how can people be on the lookout for the lingo? How can they find you guys? And then um, where will you put that podcast up for us? So uh, my my biggest following is um, Instagram. So you can follow me on IG, at uh, the lingo Chicago. Um, that's where I'll um, at least post the first episode. Hopefully it'll be on all streaming platforms. Um, yeah, yeah, Facebook, obviously, The Lingo Chicago, um, and then website, uh, com. um, yeah, follow me. Yeah, we'll definitely be, uh, on the lookout for the stuff to come up this year. We're really excited to hear the podcast, so I want you to leave us just with one last sort of either thought or word of advice for people who are uh especially people who are in business who are in professional communities professional jobs who are um, trying to understand a little bit more about how to celebrate all different cultures and how to sort of bring different cultures together and say you know we're all working towards the same thing how do we get there so can you can you leave us with a thought or, or a piece of advice on how to how to kind of go about doing that so i've always been the person who feels like uh connecting people and relationships comes with intentionality right so if i want to learn about 
black people or Hispanic people or, you know, Jewish people, whoever the case may be, I need to be intentional about that. And so when it comes to different cultures, for me, setting the tone around if it's in if it's a curated event or if it's whatever the case may be even even uh a couple of months ago I did a, a event called um last night a DJ saved my life and so the whole point of that was to take people on this like musical journey of music that I wasn't used to or music that I am familiar with and getting people all in this one room and getting them to experience all of these different genres of music. And so music for me personally has always been that good example of what it means to embrace a different culture, right? So um, if I can leave you guys with anything, it would be one, to just kind of have that respect of another person's culture because uh it's their background it's it's where they're from it's it's what represents who they are um and again going back to every individual has their own lingo what makes up who they are as a person um and i think it's important to just kind of have that um understanding that if you don't understand who this person or who this person is or, or where they're from um, to be intentional about wanting to learn about them, wanting to learn about their history, you know, and then having that respect um, around what that particular body of people have been through in history, you know, and um, just kind of growing in that, you know, and so that's always been important to me. Um, I think the world can continue to evolve in that way with wanting to connect with intentionality. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Johnny, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, I really appreciate you being here. It's been a great, uh, great opportunity to get to hear from you and, and some great thoughts. Uh, definitely check out The Lingo Chicago on Instagram. That's your handle, The Lingo Chicago. Yes, sir. So make sure you give them a shout out. Um, we are Bridging Chicago on Instagram. So uh, we just appreciate you being here, appreciate your time. And uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for listening to another episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago, as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solution Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding.